Talk Money is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. <coughs> For updates, further breakdowns, and past episodes of this podcast, sign up at thetalkmoney.com. If you enjoy our podcast, help us get the word out. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to help us reach more ears. And now you can sign up for our newsletter, where we curate the best money topics of the week from across the internet. It's quick, informative, and most importantly, fun. Sign up at thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Talk Money Weekly, where we talk about current business events paired with our newsletter. Today's episode, Celebs Go Crazy for Crypto. So last week on the podcast, we talked about NFT mania, where I interviewed my friend Phil Toronto. And then this week, we had NFT mania on Twitter, which was a bunch of celebrities tweeting about NFTs and Ethereum and Solana, and it just caused a lot of hype and a lot of craze. And in the real world, no one gives a shit, but on Twitter, this thing went nuts. And it started off with Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors saying, just getting started in the crypto game. Y'all got any advice? And obviously, everyone from, you know, a Tom Brady to like random troll who exists somewhere on the Internet is giving him advice. Everyone's throwing in their two cents. And obviously, like the smarter people are saying, don't take any advice from Twitter. And then that was followed up by Mike Tyson saying Ethereum or Solana. And if you remember from last week, we actually talked about the difference between the two. They're similar, but Solana would be considered the improvement of Ethereum, or they're doing things a little bit different to make it more efficient. And so NFTs are either created on Ethereum, and now they're being created on Solana. And so he had a bunch of people writing Ethereum, and then Solana, and then some people were throwing in, no, none of those, this one, and that one, and this one. And this is the crazy thing about crypto, is that when you have these maxis or maximalists, they're just, it's like one or nothing. And it's like they're just going to ride or die with that. And then you have Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, who you know from, there's a game show. He's got his own talk show. He's a stand-up. He's featured in a bunch of other shows. I mean, it's funny, like, when they say that immigrants are taking all of American jobs. No, Steve Harvey's taking all the jobs. And he's leaving none for the rest of us. But Steve Harvey, I don't even think he posted something. He just changed his profile pic on Twitter to an NFT. So he had one of those monkeys. And then that went apeshit. And, and that was actually a Solana NFT. So I was looking at that. It made me dive into it a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, there's 5,000 of these Solana NFTs. That It's called Solana Monkey Business. I don't know what's up with the whole monkey thing with all this NFT thing, but monkeys seem to be a favorite type of animal. And they were going for 500 Sol, and I, I hope I don't get murdered for the mispronunciation of this. I know Ethereum is, you know, ETH or Ether, Solana, Sol, I'm just going to say Sol, which is technically almost $100,000 for this thing. So you got celebs in it. This is clearly a status thing. It's an investment thing. I think they find it's fun. At the same time, too, you should see the comments. There's so many people trying to push their own shit using like, you know, hey, Mike Tyson's going to talk about this. I'm going to push my own thing. And then again, I don't know if these celebs are saying this because they actually want to get some advice or they're trying to pump their own thing. Let's assume that Steve Harvey is no dummy and he's clearly had an agenda or method for posting a Solana NFT there. I mean, 
Solana probably reached out to a bunch of celebrities. And here's the thing about these crypto communities, especially these NFT communities. Like they're really, really strong. The way they make these drops are so calculated. The marketing behind it is so amazing, and they go viral really quickly, and it does create this FOMO, like, ah, I need to get my hands on one. I need to get my hands on one. And so I think at the end of the day, the way I would look at this is there's a few things. One, always be skeptical of everyone's agenda. Don't look through the comments to get advice here. In the case of is it Ethereum or Solana, I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think you can get both. I think if you're like, hey, should I get Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Solana? Well, provided you understand the risk with crypto, you say, I don't know which one's going to win. Let me get a little bit of everything because I don't know. I know I don't know. I own all three. But it was. I thought it was funny that there were some really interesting people who commented on some of these tweets. I mentioned Tom Brady earlier, who's like a Bitcoin fan. You had Marcus Brownlee, who's a big YouTuber who does a bunch of amazing tech reviews, just said, Please don't take advice from Twitter. And it's true. Don't take advice from Twitter. And don't take advice from like really anybody unless you trust them or you know them really well. So speaking of valuable assets, did the U.S. leave a bunch of extremely valuable assets and weaponry in Afghanistan that the Taliban now have their hands on and know it's worth quite a lot? Not just in the form of, hey, we've got weapons, but we have these assets that we know neighboring countries and powerful countries potentially want to buy as well. And if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we discussed some of these topics in our Afghanistan episode where I interviewed my sister, but we actually talked a lot about what the Taliban are going to do with these weapons. So what did the U.S. leave behind in Afghanistan that's now part of the Taliban's new arsenal? Well, here's a few of those things. We've got over 22,000 Humvees, 8,000 trucks, over 160,000 radios, 16,000 night vision goggles. Y'all know you want those. Over 350,000 assault rifles, 42,000 SUVs, 60,000 machine guns. Oh, and then we got over 50 different types of aircrafts and then over 90 helicopters. That is Jack Sparrow's ultimate treasure chest. I read a really interesting tweet by Max Abrams, who's, a, I guess, a national security professor, who said, we're not talking enough about the enormous amount of weaponry transferred to the Taliban. And what he meant by that was more so that Russia, Iran, and China, all potentially who want to do quote unquote business with the Taliban, because remember, these are three countries that don't like the U.S. and the U.S. doesn't really get along with them, or at least in the past few years, it's been the case where there's been a lot of animosity between each other. And let's be reminded as well, like these countries work with each other in order to gain whatever they need to gain, whatever it takes to survive and dominate. And right now, it's the U.S. that's potentially in a vulnerable situation. Because you got Russia, Iran, China, who could potentially be working with each other. And then eventually they'll probably have their own, like, you know, battle royale. But right now, it doesn't look good. You know, they want to protect themselves from Islamic extremism. So you want to play nicely. But also, the Taliban in that region of Afghanistan are sitting on trillions of dollars of really, really valuable minerals. So on top of that, they're also sitting on a bunch of U.S. equipment. And so... Is it possible 
that the Taliban are now going to do deals with China, Russia, Iran, or whoever it may be in terms of selling that equipment to them, not only to raise more money or potentially buy parts from those countries, or will those countries buy that U.S. equipment in order to reverse engineer it to learn more about this weaponry? Now, here is the actual argument. The argument is that a lot of people are like, no, dude, that's so stupid. That military equipment is like old as shit. It doesn't really work. And like, they're not going to learn anything from it. And then there's other people who are saying, well, what about the small risk that that's actually not the case? And there's a really smart thinker out there. His name is Balaji Srinivasan. He's a big crypto investor. He's a technologist. He's an interesting thinker. He likes to challenge people on Twitter. And so he went on Twitter and said, this is an intelligence goldmine for China, Russians, and Iranians, by the way. They'll buy many of these pieces from the Taliban, take them apart to understand them, test their weaponry on their armor, and so on. And then a bunch of people commented, that's so stupid. Why would the U.S. leave that? They're not so dumb. And then he was basically saying, listen, the U.S. didn't know what was going on in Afghanistan. They said that Afghanistan wasn't going to fall, and it did. They said that getting out wasn't going to be a problem. It was. They said the Afghan army was going to stay and fight. They didn't. So why would you potentially trust that they didn't leave anything valuable there? And basically, I think his point is that even if there is like a small percentage of a chance that there is something there that these countries can learn about, that's a bad thing. Versus other people who are like, no, that's absolutely not true. Like, they would never do that. So I just wanted to read a few comments on this tweet because there's some really smart people going back and forth. And so one person said, are you serious? None of this stuff is really cutting edge. What would be the point of taking apart Humvees to see how they work? And he responded with, none of this stuff is really cutting edge. They assured us the country wouldn't fall in weeks, and it did. They said the Afghan army would fight, and it didn't. Now you are assuring me that $85 billion of equipment left on the ground in a hurry contains no military secrets. Doubtful. And then you had another smart person, Benedict Evans, who's a tech analyst across the board, everything from like semiconductors to software, blah, blah, blah. He writes, there is nothing remotely secret or novel in any of that. The M113 dates back to 1962, and Iraq is full of wrecked Humvees. The M113 is one of those like armored carriers. And then, you know, other people are like, I don't think there's much concern here. However, what is left in the abandoned U.S. embassy might as well interest them. And then, again, they just go back and forth and they say, look, like, you're just assuming way too much. Like, maybe it's not necessarily in the, the equipment itself that they're going to discover all sorts of American secrets. But you got $85 billion of U.S. equipment. I don't know where I stand on this. I just think it's really interesting. I think that the thing that's actually interesting in this case is that you have Russia, you have China, you have Iran. You have three very strong countries, three very strong countries in the region who now have a potential, quote unquote, ally in the area. And so from the U.S. standpoint, this is like a pretty bad problem all around. That's all I got to say about that. We'll keep our eyes on this subject. It's an interesting one. So as we discuss on this podcast, money makes the world go round. You can literally find paper trails of money in almost every single conversation. It's all related to money. So that's it for this week. Make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter, thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Until next time. <laughs>